0: We're going to be looking again at, at marriage, and uh, we're going to look uh, at the spiritual side of marriage this morning. And uh, it's been a, uh, I, I've enjoyed doing this Sunday school, and because uh, I'm a, a very firm believer that marriage really does help you. How many can say amen to that? All right, if you don't believe that, listen to the Sunday School this morning, and I believe God could really help you, and so we're going to have a great time. I just, uh, let me get some scriptures, and then uh, we'll get started. I need 1 Corinthians eleven three 3 through 16. It's kind of lengthy. Who's brave enough to do that? 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, uh, no, 1 Corinthians 11, uh, 3 through 16, Frank, would you get that? And then I need for the second time, First 1 Corinthians 118 and 9. David. Matthew 194 and 5. Twister. Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. Wayne. First Corinthians 7:14. Who's that uh, Nate Rush. Uh, First Peter three seven. Neil and yeah, we'll stop there. All right. So Pastor Mitchell, when I uh, was uh, he was doing the um, men's rally in in Moscow when I was pastoring in Lithuania, I went and he told a story, and uh, I. I don't know who this was, and so just, if you do, don't, it's not my business, but of a woman who was tormented. She was very, she was just going through mind hassles and different things that were going on in her life, and uh, they went for counseling to Pastor Mitchell, and he began to ask them, are you, you know, is are you doing anything, and. They said, no, 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 no issues, no issues. And then what came out after a while is that he at work was watching pornography. Now his wife had no idea. I want you to just grasp this. She had no idea what was going on. And yet it affected her in her her mind and in her spirit. As he told this story, I began to really consider what he was saying and that's why I've entitled this particular lesson, The Spiritual Side of Marriage. Now, marriage is a lot of things. And when the two become one, okay, there's, we know that's a physical, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit of, well, we'll actually talk quite a bit about that. But uh, that's a reality of marriage. Another reality is you become socially. One, you become financially tied. Uh, you become uh, your spiritual destiny is involved, but there's also a spiritual connection that become that happens that is really important to understand. Because I understand you're you're accountable for your own actions, right? You, if I go out and rob a bank and and kill somebody, uh, you know my wife doesn't go to jail for that. I do. Right? That's my actions, but that has obvious ramifications on her. Right, there's, there's obviously that. But in a reality of life, you have to understand that both the husband and the wife in the marriage, there's spiritual responsibilities, and when they are not taken care of, there is a desperate breach in the marriage, and there's problems. And so I want to talk to you about the spiritual side of marriage, 1 Corinthians 11,
1: 3-16. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of every woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head, but every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, for that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. For man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. For as woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman, but all things are from God. Judge among yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. But if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God.
0: Now, this is a very complex scripture. This is, there's lots here. A lot of the hippies remember this scripture about men not having long hair. I have photos that I actually had long hair. I wanted to be a rocker and all that. And so... Uh, but, uh, you know, so that's, that's what a lot of people know this scripture for, but in verse 10 is one of the most interesting statements concerning marriage in all the Bible, and it says, nevertheless, uh, neither is man independent of, uh, of woman, nor, uh, woman independent of man, uh, for, uh, no, I'm sorry, for this reason, verse 10, for this reason women ought to have their, uh, their head covered as a symbol of authority because of the angels. Now, as soon as we hear that, angels flip people out. Right? Cover to cover in the Bible, but we're like, whoa. Angels? Start talking too much about angels, people think you're kind of strange, and maybe you are. But the reality here is that what this tells us... Now, Bible scholars... They argue, is this the good angels like Michael and Gabriel and and the archangels? Or is this the bad angels, the fallen angels, the demons? It's not very clear. I actually believe that it, it does refer more to the fallen angels. But nevertheless, what that tells you and I is that marriage, when roles are not properly handled, it opens up spiritual realms that should not be opened. that spiritually speaking marriage has a connection and this is what Paul begins to write here and begins to lay out in very deep and very weighty and you can almost every one of these verses uh, has tremendous uh, understanding of proper role of marriage and it, but you know when he says because of the angels, it tells us right away that marriage has spiritual ramifications in your life. And when marriage is not in balance, there's a very grave danger. It tells us very clearly that men are to cover their wives. Men love the thought of submit, but do they love the thought of the responsibility To cover. Women love, you know, uh, the fact that you're supposed to love me. But do you love the fact that if you don't submit, you are stepping out in a spiritual arena that is very dangerous for you. And so this uh, verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 8 and 9.
1: For man is not of woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man.
0: And so, ladies are... And, and understand this in proper perspective, but God created man. Put him in the Garden of Eden. Everything was good. Everything's good, right? Creation is good. Animals are good. There's no sin yet. And he looks at Adam and he goes... There's something wrong. This is not good. Now, it wasn't sin, you know. Uh, I think I mentioned la- you know last week, was he putting plaids with stripes? We, we don't know, right? But somewhere in God's economy, he went, this is not good. He needs a helper. So he created a woman that fulfills or makes up the lack of a man. This is why a woman was created to fulfill that void that men don't put plaids with stripes. I don't, you know, whatever it might be that was lacking in Adam, he created the ladies for that. And then he tells us that, men, you're missing something that your wife fulfills in you. And so then he lays out the roles that are there and, As we see this, men have to cover their wives. Women have to be willing to be submissive. This is not just an ego trip, because we're men and we can beat our chests and tell you to submit. If that's the case, then it's probably going to be out of line and out of balance. But there's spiritual understanding why this has to be. Matthew 19, 4 and 5.
2: And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and and the two shall become one flesh.
0: And so the two become one. Okay? Physically, spiritually, socially... All have an effect on one another. It's very interesting as I've counseled marriages through my years of ministry. One thing I I I see there's I've had couples come in and the wife is she's just she's on edge, man. Things are things are not right in the marriage. The husband repents. Something comes out, he's you know just being a bonehead about something. He repents, and it's amazing to see the effect on the wife. Absolutely stunning to see her go from, you know, on edge to now relaxed. Because now he's covering her. Now he's being the spiritual head. And we're going to get into some of uh, the uh, roles of this in just a moment. But that when that's in proper place, both can be very comfortable. When they're not things are totally, when the woman's trying to usurp the man, cover the man, take, a, take authority, God says this is, this is a shame. It's like, you know, the two thoughts there is, you know, uh, men having long hair, and I know that comes and goes, and the styles come and go, and rock and roll, and, and, and music, uh, and, and all of that, uh, but he says it's, it's not real natural. But for, it's very natural for a woman to have long hair, and men can come to the place where bald is beautiful. But not a lady, not a lady. They'll they they'll do it. You know, they'll try to work that through and uh, wigs and all that. You know, and 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 I'm you know if that's your case, I'm not mocking you or, or I'm just saying that that isn't it very interesting. Men just have to go with it. I actually. True confession, 35 years old, I think I was, Uh, we had just moved to Lithuania, I was going very gray, very quick, and uh, I walked in where my wife gets her hair done, and I said, you know what, I'm tired of them mocking me, I want my black hair back, and they went, no. I said, no, I'll pay you, no problem, no, no. I said, why? She said, you're a man, and I'm glad they said this, but they said, you're a man, your roots are going to grow out every two weeks, you're going to be back here, you're going to drive us crazy, no. <laughs> I'm very glad they said that. Was, you know, eventually, I just, okay, well, it is what it is, right? Men will say that, women, they're not. they're not as quick to say that about their hair. Spiritually speaking, this is exactly what the Bible is using that comparison. Paul's using that to bring out the understanding that there's proper roles in marriage and they have spiritual ramifications. Second Corinthians 6.14 is kind of an extreme example of this.
2: Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness?
0: Okay, and we're going to look at this in just a moment in in a greater way. But here he says, don't be unequally yoked. And this especially goes in marriage. Now, if you're married, you don't say, I'm unequally yoked, so therefore I can toss them to the side and move on, right? No, you're married. But the reality is, is this... the He brings out, if you're yoked with an unbeliever there, that this is going to have a bearing on who you are and what happens in your life. The other extreme of this is 1 Corinthians 7, 14.
2: For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy.
0: Now, amazing scripture. This does not say that because you're saved, your spouse is automatically saved. That's not what Paul is saying. But he is saying that the spiritual power of one being saved in a marriage now has an effect throughout the whole marriage into the children. That The reality of how this plays out, part of it's a mystery. I don't understand it all, but I'm trying to lay a foundation here that spiritually speaking, even one spouse saved now changes the dynamic of the and the spiritual condition of the marriage. If the husband's saved and the wife's not, if the wife's saved and the husband's not, there's still a working of God there that flows out in that family that. Wouldn't be there, of course, if they both weren't saved, but spiritually speaking, it has an effect. And so marriage has this effect on us that when the two become one in the spiritual, somehow this plays out. And again, you're not saved because your spouse is saved. That doesn't mean, while well, my wife's doing great, I can go out and send my heart out and and I'll still make heaven my home. That's not what the scripture is saying, but what it is saying is that the spiritual ramifications of even one spouse saved in a marriage play out in a great way. And so here again, First Peter 3, 7.
3: Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered.
0: Heirs together of the grace of life. There's an equality of inheritance here, by the way, that my reward is linked to my wife's reward. Her reward is linked to my reward. And you can't separate those, that they have direct influence on each other. And it also goes on to say to the husbands that your prayers be not hindered. Now, again, fascinating. You have a fight with your wife, you come to prayer, and God says, I'm not listening. Now, that's fascinating. That's amazing to think that how we treat our spouse has a direct influence on how God will respond to our prayers. And so, again, you can't eliminate this spiritual side of marriage. And it affects so many aspects of, of this. Let's get a few more scriptures. I need 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. We'll look at it all in context, uh, Vince, I need First Kings 11, 4. Daniel, and Nehemiah chapter 13, 23 and 24, Steve Hernandez, and let's get uh, just two more, Ecclesiastics four twelve. Dennis, Dennis, uh, and First um, Peter 3, Five and six. Frank. All right. So marriage will affect who you are, right? Has the ability to change us in in different ways. A lot of that, it could be very good. Again, God looked at man. He looked at Adam. He said, "Mm, not good. He needs some help. That boy needs something, someone that is going to complete him, to help him. And so he creates, he puts the, he falls, at, puts Adam to sleep. The first surgery is uh, performed, takes the rib out, creates a woman, brings her to man, and uh, marriage is born. So there's something that completes us, but it also affects who we are, that the two become and merge. And so 2 Corinthians 6, this is kind of the negative understanding of this, but 2 Corinthians six fourteen through 18 Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness?
2: And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For
0: you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell with them. And walk with among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean,
2: and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty.
0: Okay, and so here in very good context, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. Missionary dating fails ninety-nine times out of a hundred. I'll go find the person bring them to church get them saved and then we can have a relation then I can marry and it work For every one time it works out I can show you 99 failures absolute disaster because marriage changes who you are whether you like that or not Now most of the time that is it's designed for good right men grunt and sleep on rocks and it would, you know, be fine. And a woman tem- tem- tempers us. That's the way God's designed it. A woman tempers you. Women, there's just something you're in the creation of who they are that they need that protection, that fulfillment that a man needs to give them. And God's put that in. You know, Solomon wonders, he says, you know, there's there's... Four things that are marvelous to me that I don't quite get. You know, how a snake moves. It's got no legs. How, a shi- how the wind can blow this way, but the ship moves that way. Says so these are fascinating things. And, and the last thing he ends that list with, he says, and a man with his maid. Says so this is fascinating how relationships happen. Sparks fly. How, you know, people discover each other. Absolutely amazing to know, but in how all that works out, he, he gives us the warning, don't be unequally yoked. It's going to change who you are. First 1 Kings
1: 11.4. Hello? For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David.
0: Now Solomon had some issues, right? He had a lot of wives. (laughs) One's enough, thank you very much. Uh, You know, and so, but he had, you know, 300 wives, 700 concubines. He's He's got some issues. And out of those issues, when he begins to get older, his wives turn his hearts. He begins to build pagan temples. He begins to give in to them and sacrifice because these weren't all, these were, uh, these were from Egypt and other places that actually were forbidden for them to get married to. And it changed who, they, who he was. Nehemiah chapter 13, 23 and 24.
2: In those days I also saw Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. And half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod and could not speak the language of Judah, but spoke according to the language of one or the other people.
0: Now here, fascinating. Changed their whole language. It was actually changing their culture. That here's the people of God. They're now intermarrying. They're marrying people they shouldn't be marrying. And as a result of that, it's actually changing how they speak. The language. Now, we're Americans and English is spoken throughout the world, so we can't quite grasp a hold of that. But when I was in Lithuania, the Tsar of Russia, when the Tsar had invaded, he actually tried to eliminate all the uh, territorial languages that he took over. And one of them was Lithuania. And so he tried to eliminate the Lithuanian language. And they are actually very defensive of their language it's a very hard language it's a very it's a language spoken by less than five million people in the world and uh, it's it's but they uh, were trying to snuff it out they actually have a word for book smuggler that's actually a, like that would be an honorable word hey you're like a book smuggler that'd be like you know that's a high praise a high compliment Because during the czar time, they were smuggling books uh, to keep their language alive. Culture and all that was involved there. Says When you marry, when you begin to look outside believers, uh, you begin to do damage to that. And so missionary dating never works out. I just want to throw that in. But marriage will also affect your relationship with God himself. May I just add that many marriage problems begin with a problem in someone's heart and their relationship with God? How many know that? It's not usually a problem with your spouse as much as a problem with God. Now, there can be different things, but you know, enter in sin, enter in. Different carnalities and things and flavors, uh, and then all of a sudden, bang, that plays out in your relationship. Now there's conflict. When the real issue is one or the other or both are actually chiding against God Himself. Right? Selfishness comes in, lust, greed, bitterness, whatever it might be that begins to. Bring conflict in the relationship. And that the real issue isn't with your spouse, then it's with God. When you get your heart right with God, it, it's amazing how your heart gets right with your spouse. Ecclesiastics four twelve
1: Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken.
0: In our text, in 1 Corinthians 11, there's a flow there, right? From the Father to Christ, from Christ to man, from man to the woman. That when that's flowing correctly, there's a health to the relationship. That's why ladies have to learn to trust God more than their husbands. It's biblical. 1 Peter 3, 5, and 6.
1: For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror.
0: Okay, follow this. follow the trail there, right? Who trusted God, therefore they submitted to their own husbands. Sometimes you're going to just have to leave him to God. There's the old expression, men fix cars and women fix men. And that doesn't go over too well. Right? That's, that's why men get that man cave thing, so they can retreat from trying to being fixed all the time. Right? And so... That's why we leave the spiders and the... Th- anyway, never mind. And so I can't give away all the trade secrets here. But, you know, the reality of life is just that you, in, you have to trust God with your spouse. You have to believe that God can actually work on them far better than you can. And that you have to be... allow the spiritual part of marriage to affect your relationship as well. Now let's take a moment, open it up right here for questions or comments. Betty.
4: Bill and I were married as sinners. We lived the first 15 years of our lives as sinners. And for two people that loved each other, we did a pretty good job of destroying each other. And it had come to a point where we thought if we moved, like, to Prescott and got back to kind of the simpler life, that maybe things would be better. But that wasn't true. Mm-hmm. We, we came together and we stayed the way we were. However, I had gotten saved just before the move. And um, Bill came home one day. My sister had been witnessing to me and I just knelt in my kitchen on the floor. I had stepped outside and I saw the big clouds that Arizona brings in the summer. And I remembered the scripture that Jesus would return in the clouds. And so I just fell into the floor on my knees and asked God to forgive me, to save me, and he did. God. When Bill came home that night, he says to me, what'd you do today? I said, nothing, just the normal things. He said, well, did you go have your makeup done? Did Did you and the girls go out? And I said, no. We just, I, I've just been home with the kids. And he said, well, there's something different about you. What's different about you? And I, I thought maybe, you know, I, I didn't know what was wrong with him, you know. He, he hardly even Realized I was dressed, you know, if we went out. Uh, he wasn't real good about that. And so, but he noticed that, and it's like, what is different about you? And I went in and looked in the mirror, and there was something different. The, my face had actually changed. There was a, a softness that had not been there. And because we had become very bitter with each other. And uh, later, I began to realize the great effect that I had on him because of the change in me i didn't change for bill i changed for my god and Le- bill didn't get saved for several years a- and he got saved here and so we were talking about it one day and he said i didn't get saved for you i got saved for my god and i began to tell my children what well, you will only change for your god whether mm-hmm. you are a man or a woman the only if it's fast cars you'll change for that. If it's fast women, you'll change for that. If it's business, you'll change for that. <coughs> Your God is what you become. And we learned that from Pastor Mitchell. And it was the most amazing thing that when we are right with God and we change for our God, most every other thing will fall into place. Yes. I'm very thankful that Bill got saved, but I had no assurance of that when I stayed. mm And one day he said to me, are you going to, Now I wasn't always the easiest person to live with, and I didn't always not keep my mouth shut. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) And so one day he said, do you want me to just leave? Are you trying? And I said, no. Oh, he said, are you going to leave? I said, no, you can't run me off with a stick. I'm going to stay here and serve God. And he just stepped back from me. And it was just a real revelation that the way we live affects the other person in our marriage and we will only change for who we serve as a God.
0: Yes, excellent. Twister.
2: There's something that, uh, you know, just maybe a couple of years ago or something kind of came to light that in our first year of marriage, I said something to Sandy that just really hurt her. I had no idea that it did. And so we talked about that you know recently say maybe a year ago or so and and we talked about it and i i said to her well why didn't you tell me then and she said well because you wouldn't you wouldn't have yielded to it and and my argument was i would have i think i would have and i still think that if she would have told me (laughs) she's shaking her head no (laughs) She does things like that when I can't see her. You know? <laughs> but anyway, um, it kind of becomes a question, and I'm sure you don't want to be a referee, but I've wondered about...
0: No, like I, I tell
2: I that... still, in my mind, I had a soft heart, but I was a little rough around the edges. That's all it was. If she'd have
3: right, and really
2: spoke, said to me, you really hurt me at least I would have thought about it, but I think I would have done something about it. It was just a menial thing that I thought wasn't even really important. But it, it was, for over the, all of those years, like we've been married 35 years, 34 years, and she went all that time with this harboring in her mind, I guess, and I'm thinking, my goodness, I wish I would have known.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it hurt her, and so, the, the reality, and by the way, I don't referee. I mentioned last week, marriage counseling is free. Refereeing is $75 an hour minimum charge. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, but uh, the reality is that, yeah, you, we do affect each other. Words, and we talked about words last week, that they have, they have real effect on people in the spirit. And that's why when you're living with someone 24-7, they're going to influence all sorts of things about your life including your spiritual side. And so, uh, thank God, you you know, it's thank God it's good now. <laughs> Debbie.
5: Hey, a lot like Betty said, um, Jeff and I were married a couple of years before we got saved and it was rough. People would invite us to parties to be the entertainment because we fought so much, so creatively. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. And <coughs> before I got saved, um, I had set up plans for divorce. I had it all in, all in, you know, planned out, ready. Uh, Didn't care about him a bit anymore. Just was done. Went down to the Foursquare Church, got saved. And on my way home, I was praying and just praising God and so excited. And he reminded me about that. And I just stopped. First time I ever heard God speak to my heart. And I said, what do I do about that now? And he told me, Jeff's sin is between me and him, not between you and him. Mm-hmm. You do what's right. And he just guided me to be a good wife no matter what. And he got saved a few months later because he said, what did they do to you? You're not fighting with me anymore. <laughs> and we just had our 46th anniversary. So Great it job. works. <laughs>
0: Glory. All right, so I want to talk to you real quickly about one of the most spiritual things a human being can do, and that is the sexual activity. Now, when I say that, I know some people go, wait, no, that seems like the most carnal thing that a human being can do, because we associate often sexual sins with carnality, and that's where people fall. But the reality is one of the most spiritual things in life is sexual activity. And I'm going to try to keep this as comfortable as possible. But the reality is, you know, think about just reality of sexual activity. It can create an eternal soul. We call it a baby, but it's in it. You're... you're an eternal soul. And that's how you were created, right? That God actually is in, uh, left this, and it's a very spiritual experience. This is why sex is to be reserved for marriage and marriage only. One man wrote a book, and in that book he made the statement that everything I do with my wife, I can do with other people except for the sexual side. I can play a game with my wife. I can play a game with someone else. Well, There's a balance if I'm taking another woman out to lunch. That's kind of probably a problem. But the, the reality, and he mentioned that. He brought the balance to that. But he said the reality is, right? That is, that's one of the things that makes marriage very, very separate from every other relationship on planet Earth is the sexual experience and the understanding now uh, you know in our generation they've lost this you know you've got to explain that monogamy is not a wood found in Brazil <laughs> you know that there's this is to be held sacred so let's get some scriptures I need 1 Corinthians 615 through 20. Phil, uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. Vince, Proverbs 6, 30 through 32. Pete, Baker. Um, yeah, we'll hold off there. And so, this, this can be a big problem because that connects you. That's one of the things that links you spiritually. This is why... Uh, different, different groups, including Focus on the Family, estimate that 20% of marriages are sexless. And by that, they mean less than five times a year. That's not healthy. That's, that's very unhealthy. And so, because there's lots to it, and won't go into all of that, but... Marriage, that's one of the things that links you spiritually. Because it's so reserved, it's so unique to the relationship of marriage the way God designed it. He did not design it to be just a free-for-all. And so let's look at this, because it's very interesting. When it's violated before marriage, 1 Corinthians 6, 15 through 20. That your bodies Do you not know your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God and are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so here he makes this statement that when you sin, when you violate this and you fornicate, you're actually sinning against your own body, the very core of who you are. It's very, it's, it's, amazing scripture because you think about you, you read this and you say every man every sin man does is outside the body well what about drugs that has a direct effect on your body what about drinking that has a direct effect on your body. It kills brain cells, livers, uh, uh, you know, all sorts of things. Smoking uh, has a direct effect on your body. We could go through some of But what Paul is saying here is that this affects your being. You can quit smoking and your lungs actually begin to heal in the first 24 hours. And if you've been smoking less... If you haven't smoked in seven years, your, your actual lungs come back to, I think it's about 90, 90 plus percent. It's absolutely fascinating that your body can heal from those things, but sexual sin. You know, counseling people, you begin to find out what bothers them years later is not the fact that they, when they were six years old, they had a fight with their brother or sister and punched him in the nose. They, it doesn't it's not. They don't, it's not that they stole a Snickers bar from Walmart and they're just tormented with this to that day, to you know 20 years later it's like my gosh I can't believe I did that. But when it comes to sexual sin that can go on and on and on it can be the gift that keeps on giving it can be a very tormenting thing of of life because it affects who you are. Your very spirit is what Paul is saying. He says, when you violate this, of course, you know, uh, uh, he uses the illustration of a harlot. He says, you know, uh, you visit a harlot and, and the two become one flesh. There's a spiritual transaction. There's something called soul tying, which in marriage is very healthy. That's what you're doing, you're tying your souls together through part of that is through the sexual experience.. But when this is violated, it's deadly. It has a ripping effect on who you are and the violations that come and and even some marriages I talk to people and it's like, you know, this and that. I can't get this out of my mind and this, and break, have to break a soul tie because of an old relationship that they had and that, that had become sexual. Very, very dangerous. It's an absolute, it affects who you are, your spirit. That's why in marriage, it's totally healthy. And God said, I reserve this for marriage and marriage alone. The two shall become one. That's healthy. That's good. It's glorious. But when it's violated, it's deadly. Sandy? Yeah, I will now.
4: Yes, sir. When I was first saved, I
0: I was at a ladies' meeting and they showed us.
5: uh, We were were studying this, this
4: actually. And uh, it brings on, when it's talking about you're one with the harlot, and just think about it. She was one with how many she was one with.
0: Oh, absolutely. And all
4: these spiritual entities have access to your life. And many times there's deliverance needed. Yes. Repentance and deliverance. Well,
0: repentance more than often deliverance, but yes. And it it has an effect of who you are. And that's why in marriage it's healthy. (laughs) And outside of marriage it's horrible. And this is why when it's violated in marriage, it's deadly. One of the big ten. Remember the big ten? Ten commandments Moses brought down from the mountain? Exodus chapter 20, verse 14.
4: Uh, you shall not commit adultery.
0: How many ever heard of the, 18, uh, the 1628 evil Bible? 18, no, I'm sorry, 1834 wicked Bible. That's what it was called. Anyone ever heard of it? They omitted the word "not" in that scripture, and they called it the Wicked Bible. It was a typo. It was an accident. Thou shalt commit adultery. It was and so they to g- gather them all together. If you actually can find one, they're worth hundreds of thousands of dollars because they burn most of them. I know you can simply call that Hollywood today, but anyway, all right? Don't commit adultery. Why? Because God says this is da- this. This will ruin. The very essence, you know, it's amazing how many other violations in marriage are more easily overcome. He lied to me. She, she spent more money than she was supposed to, you know, we overcome those, but this one has an effect. And it's overcomable. Don't misunderstand me. It's overcomable, but don't try to find out. Proverbs 30 thir- uh, Proverbs six thirty through
2: 32. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. He, must, he, he may have to give up all the substance of his house.
0: Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. And so destroys his own soul. Again, this has a spiritual ramification. And uh, let's get just one more, and we'll open it up. Uh, Hebrews 13 and verse 4. We'll get that very quickly and read it right off the mic, Solano.
2: Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge.
0: So God says in marriage it's a good thing, it's undefiled. Now, can you defile it? Of course you can. That's a whole nother sermon or Sunday school issue or whatever. But he says, in marriage, this is very healthy. This is good. Flow with this, because it's, it's a good thing, but violated. God says, I don't like that. I will judge it. I will absolutely take you on. And you know what? If it's you against God, my money's on God. And so very, very important to understand. Real quick, we'll just touch on this because we're, we're really running out of time. But in this, he tells us that because of the angels, there's the spiritual side of this. This means that men, if you want her to submit, submit, woman, you better be praying, spiritually covering your wife. You better be leading spiritually and taking care of the house, you better be an example of what a Christian should be. That in the healthy part of this, that if you're going to be the head, as Ephesians says, the head, uh, husbands husbands are the head of the wife, you have to be responsible for that. I made a guy, door director one time in one of the churches I pastored, and he loved the title. He thought that was great. And so at the end of the music scene, uh, we had just one building, and so we had to put our building back together for service the morning. He comes up to me at the end of the music scene. He says, okay, I'll see you in the morning. I say, no, 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 no. You have a title. You have a responsibility. You have to get the building back together. Oh, so he takes off his jacket, and he begins to work. and He wasn't real thrilled with it, but he began to understand, you want the benefit, you better live to that place of responsibility, taking care of business, making her feel safe. Because when you don't cover your wife, you open her up to demonic strategies. And then to the wives, this means you have to be willing to submit. The word submit in the Bible literally means to arrange under or to be in subjection or in, or in control that you're willing to say, you know what, I need to bring myself under that for my protection. You know, there's reasons why in the military there are ranks and orders. Because they don't want to put all the men on the battlefield to do their own thing. Here, go, do whatever you want. Good luck, hope we win. Right? But there's, so that it can be directed and channeled and protected. And like I said, I've seen... When men get their hearts right, women, uh, there's something about that. One commentator said that submissiveness is rendered by the wife under the husband in the eye of Christ, so that as it is rendered to Christ himself, the husband stands with the wife in relationship to the Lord as the Lord stands with the church, grounded on submission. It's not to be that she's inferior but this is what the church owes to Christ and a wife owes to her husband. And the Bible says there's tremendous protection because it's you and him or you and her against the world. One of the things in marriage counseling I always try to convince people, it's not the husband against the wife. Or the wife against the husband, however it plays out. It is the wife and the husband against the world. Right To conquer, to make your place, to fight through the issues of life. And when that's in proper place, there's a great spiritual protection on the family. So we have time for about one comment. Nate, our question.
2: Uh, I've heard Pastor Greg say, uh, multiple occasions, especially in serious men, that if you have to tell your wife that you are the head of the household, that you are not, Probably fact, not yeah. the head of the
3: household.
0: <laughs> it's very true. Yeah. One more, real quick. Neil, we got time for this.
3: During the recent marriage retreat, the pastor made the comment about, um, you know, premarital sex and, you know, illicit sex and the spiritual aspects of those, which... You know, I've been aware of, but he made a connection towards this generation, my generation, and he said that he that's something I'd not pondered or thought of before. He said that um, he said the mark of this generation, the curse that he believed God has put on this generation because of the uh, rampant use of Tinder and Ashley Madison and this open, squared act of um, illicit sexual acts. Is he said that the curse of this generation has been the rise of uh, depression and suicide. Oh, um, which has been even more rampant within my you know younger generation and I never made that connection before you know the the aspect that that rise and that spike of depression and suicide not all of it but he said that a large part of it he actually believed was related to the spiritual yeah. acts of de- your God's sexual activity
0: sex. affects far deeper than just a physical act it affects who you are Lord bless you pastor, Mitch, pastor Greg.